<laughs> audible. More like hard audible. Yikes. I like that that one girl came into the rental zone to say she was catching up on the podcast and be like, it's so great that you guys say retarded. She said that? <laughs> I did not see that. She was like, that for real happened? She was like, as someone who um, has spent a lot of years trying to remove the word retarded from my vocabulary, it felt nice getting to hear someone else say it. <laughs> well, um, that's not really what she was saying, but that's what I took from it. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to our new fan, Amanda, who, uh, <laughs> along with championing our uh, use of certain language. Yeah. Shout out to people fucking unsolicitedly talking about the rental zone in other Facebook groups. Yeah. Shout out. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Cross promo, baby. Let's go. And to honor Amanda for her sake, here is the trailer to the film from last week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> here is the trailer uh, to the film for this week's movie, Indecent Proposal. <laughs> An unfortunate choice by Dan Enden. <laughs> Excuse me? Would you mind lending me your wife? Excuse me? For luck. What do we got to lose? I got money, I got security, I have businesses, but you have something that I just don't have. Well, I guess there's limits to what money can buy. Not many. Some things aren't for sale. Such as? You can't buy people. So what are you saying? You can't buy love? It's a bit of a cliche, don't you think? It's absolutely true. Well, let's test the cliche. Suppose I were to offer you $1 million for one night with your wife. David, I think you want me to do it. Why, do you want to do it? No. But I would. I'd do it for you. Think about what this money could do for us. What it could do for our future. This music is such a weird choice. Sade, bro. It's just my yeah. body. It's, not my it's the only good choice this movie made. <laughs> you might enjoy it. Don't bet on it. I wouldn't share it with anyone. It was sex, David. Just sex, not love. Just sex. There's nothing like Now, the evening would come and go, but the money could last a lifetime. Think of it. A million dollars. For one night. <laughs> um yeah uh so as you may be able to tell from that trailer this movie starring uh woody harrelson demi moore and robert redford uh from somewhere in the 90s is about a down on their luck asterisk asterisk to that couple um who uh end up being in a situation where a millionaire offers them a million dollars uh for demi moore to sleep with him for one night um would you take the deal? Would you not? An ethical dilemma, a romantic, yeah, a epic. real Sophie's choice, if you will. Indecent proposal. Um, uh, interesting choice. Not sure why you picked this movie. 
Thoughts? What do you mean? Look at the plot of this movie. How could I have not picked I, this movie? I mean, I was scrolling HBO Max, Dan. <laughs> I'm I, just wondering I, where the Genesis I, I clicked was. On, I was like, Demi Moore. I was like, oh, wait, I remember the general conceit of this movie. And I clicked mm-hmm. on it, watched the trailer, that trailer, and was like, oh, yeah, this was like my podcast bells were ringing. Then, Dan. Yeah. Then I did some preempt pre- preliminary research, you know? Okay. I wanted to see, like... You did the work. I wanted to do some critical reception, because usually that gives me a gauge of it, if this movie's going to be potable. Like where your head's at. And um, then that is when I learned about the book this movie was based on. Okay. And that's when I was like, there is no question that we were doing this for the podcast. Okay. Well, I, I'm excited to get into it with you. Are, are you ready? Yeah. Excuse, excuse me. Would you mind lending me your wife? Look at him, how cool he is. Excuse me. Excuse me. Would you mind lending me your wife? The reason I like her more than alcohol is because it makes me feel good, no hangover, and I never wake up covered in blood. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Would you mind lending me your wife? Look at him, how cool he is. Look at him, how cool he is. Okay, okay full disclosure, I smoked the joint first. Excuse, excuse me. Would you mind lending me your wife? Hello, you beautiful people. And you ugly people, too. No, I just... Uh, you know, the red in me thinks you should be allowed to own guns. The blue in me thinks squirt guns. So I'm red and blue, which makes purple. Uh, I'm purple. Excuse, excuse me. Would you mind lending me your wife? Look at him, how cool he is. Look at him, how cool he is. Okay. Okay, full disclosure, I smoked a joint first. It was like a goddamn Wax Taylor track. (laughs) And I'm really um, just very thankful, not only that I can do live mixing and sampling like I just did in front of Dan. It's an audio format, but just know that I'm the coolest guy alive. And (laughs) um, on top of that, um, very thankful that Woody Harrelson uh, was on SNL this past week. Uh, oh because my God, truly, dude. and where most of those samples so serendipitous. came from, yeah, where most of those samples came from, uh, helped really uh, reinforce my main thesis of this film, which is that the enemy, the antagonist of this film, is surely Woody Harrelson. Yeah, and that Woody Harrelson in real life just sucks. Woody Harrelson has the oddest career to me yeah. ever, because like you know, you know anything about like his backstory? Like his dad was like. Was he like? Was he the one who was hit in the head with a frying pan when he was like very young? I think so, but also his dad is like still in prison as like a he murdered many people. Oof! Like his dad was like a serial killer or something. But what? Like, like a killer? Like a serial killer? Like someone who murdered many people? Hmm. Look at him, how cool he is! And like got caught when Woody Harrelson was like a child. And then he broke out on fucking Cheers playing the happy-go-lucky friendly dude and proceeded to do the opposite of being typecast and only be cast in the sleaziest movies ever, dude. Yeah, uh, this one. (laughs) This one could have been sleazier. It could have, but... Could have been sleazier. It could have been sleazier, but boy, was there some Skinamax vibes in here. And then... Oh, yeah. the The movie flat out ends, and I was like, oh, great, that was a tight movie. And then I realized, I looked, there was 45 minutes left, and I was like, oh shit, false ending. And after that, the post-proposal, if you will, this yeah. movie really makes some choices. It did. That I, uh... I disagree with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on, on multiple fronts. So, so Dad, uh, you said something interesting to me on Facebook leading up to this. 
You you said that you felt like Robert Redford's character should have been Jewish. <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> yes. Again, if you're a new listener to the podcast, would like to remind you that Dan Enden is Jewish. As are you. Oh, yeah, yeah, me too. I you were the one you. who said this. Right, right, right. go ahead. Um, I wanted to give you some backstory on the novel that this was based on, Dan. Sure. Um, <laughs> this In the book of this, um, Woody Harrelson's character is very Jewish, and Robert Redford's character is like a Palestinian like billionaire Arab, <laughs> and the whole book is like a parable for like Israel versus Palestinian countries. What? Um, let me. But re- like as an inverse, where the rich person is the Palestinian. The book is like trying to illustrate that like the Palestinians are fucking the Jews, dude. Really? Yeah. And it was written by a Jewish author. Yes. This is fire. Um, you're all right. So let me and. Re- Read to you an excerpt. Agree a hundred percent. Let me already <laughs> stop. Let's uh read uh, a, a synopsis from the New York Times review of this book. Also written by a Jew. I mean, probably. Okay, go ahead. Just statistically. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. <laughs> the summer. <laughs> all right. This is a little thing. All right. The novel contained cultural friction that the screenwriter purposely left out of the movie. The main character named Joshua cultural is friction is Jewish and his billionaire foil is Arab. In a review of the novel, the New York Times summarized its themes as thus. The sanctity of marriage versus the love of money. The Jew versus significant non-Jews such as shiksas and sheiks. Skill versus luck. Materialism versus spirituality. And most importantly, Israel versus the Arab countries. Bro, sheiks versus shikses. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? They made this piece of shit movie. They had that idea and they didn't roll with that. Dude, they bailed on that, dude. Can I Can I even... Is it worth me even saying how that much book, more? That book is the most MBPCEU piece of art that ever could have been produced. I wish I would have known this. I would have probably read it. <laughs> honestly because that and if that were the movie i had watched unbelievable blessing from the lord that would have been compared to this <laughs> jesus christ wow well um that's interesting uh for a variety of reasons most of which is that they went really 180 degrees in the other direction. <laughs> uh, the couple and the millionaire in this movie are white as toast. Yeah. Um, Robert Redford with the all time biggest heel turn. Let's talk about. <laughs> let's talk about a lot of things. But firstly, let's talk about the couple that is Demi Moore and Robert Redford. OK. Um, I mean, and uh, Woody Harrelson. OK. Sorry. The reason I like her more than alcohol is because it makes me feel good. Um, <laughs> um, what a blessing. White couple. Yeah. Because we're in the 90s. Yeah. Keep in mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and they're dealing with money. Woody Harrelson is... Now, I want to introduce a new archetype to you. Unless I've already done that for the Disclosure episode, which I haven't listened to in a while. But um, uh, Woody Harrelson's character in this movie is an architect. It is the ultimate... And this is the genre, cool guy, brown suit, round glasses, job of the 90s. So, like, you'll see a movie with a cool guy who, like, makes a lot of money. <laughs> in the in the 90s, he's got a hip job. That yeah. job is, like, he's an architect. Oh, yeah. Um, the 90s? He, he wears a brown suit. Big architect energy. Think of, 
I don't know if this reference will hit for Wait, you. Can we talk about the fact real quick as a quick aside that the 90s went from like architect being like the quintessential job for that role. Right. Cut to the modern era and the architect is Keanu Reeves and knock knock. <laughs> That's like the fall of Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> they did that on purpose. Um, but yeah, um, cool guy brown suit. Uh, don't know if this will land for you, but it's kind of like bruce wayne in batman the animated series he was just like a big brown box yeah um that's pretty much woody harrelson's vibe in this movie but like most of the time a this character would be played by michael douglas not sure if he was unavailable for this movie he was probably shooting disclosure (laughs) but that was also starring demi i just don't understand because i didn't do any research because you told me not to what the reason was that this was not Michael Douglas. I mean, Woody Harrelson was hot, dude. He was big, terrible in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I like, mean, he's a, like, he's a terrible actor. Very bad in this movie. He play, has one speed, and it's that speed. Um, <laughs> it's just wide-eyed, bushy-tailed scumbag. <laughs> um, so He's the same character as fucking uh, goddamn, what's it called? The fucking Oliver Stone movie, Natural Born Killers. Right, he's kind of just that forever. Because that's how he is in real life. Yeah, I would, I would assume so. As we just saw on SNL, <laughs> he's like, boy, howdy. <laughs> the reason I like herb more than alcohol is because it makes me feel good, no hangover, and I never wake up covered in blood. Yeah, my man has lived in the Hollywood Hills for thirty years, and what is that accent? <laughs> Uh, you know, the red in me thinks you shouldn't be allowed to own guns. The blue in me thinks squirt guns. So I'm red and blue, which makes purple. Uh, it's a terrible joke. I'm purple. Terrible joke. Um, Doesn't make any sense. I, I'm, I have to stop the review. The, the fake CGI Tom Hanks conductor has to pull the train emergency brake to a screeching halt because... I could not get over the fact. What is this? Is this a Polar Express reference? Yeah. Um, that um, Man, dude. That Woody Harrelson put his soccer cleats on his kitchen table with mud on them. Um, Couldn't this, get. That was it. This, I was it. That was the moment where I was like, out, out on this character, out on Woody Harrelson, out on this whole. Woody Harrelson, dude. This, these, this couple, as a couple, a couple in dire financial straits, is so egregiously just like dumb about it insane about their clothing that is true one of my notes (laughs) wasting pants like that not in this economy there's so much voiceover narration in this fucking movie and the whole exposition is like double narration it's it's like i know dude oh my god and it's like it's like the economy crash and cuts to them they're like yeah we're gonna throw our pants on the fucking stoves because we fuck like we, we really fuck they fuck and she's like your pants are on fire and he's like yeah it's because i'm gonna fuck and she's like no literally and he's like i don't care i can afford pants no you can't dan i feel like you're not listening to me okay woody harrelson (laughs) in a one bedroom apartment yeah with like yeah it's just there's not a lot yeah they're on a while Demi's trying to clean and shit right while she's literally cleaning (laughs) comes in from playing soccer yeah I'd assume. I don't know where I came up with that. Was it soccer? And puts his muddy cleats on the kitchen table. On the island, and this dude. is a movie that opens with double narration where there where Woody Harrelson's like like 
what is the meaning of love? They're literally presenting like a rom-com to you. She's like, somebody once said, if you love something, let it go. This movie starts like America's Sweethearts And he's like, I've once smoked a joint and talked to a seagull. And they were on a dock. And they set it up like, this is the most beautiful love story of all time. And then like first scene... He comes in, he's like, throws his fucking cleats on the kitchen table. While and she's his like, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, shut up, bitch. <laughs> and she starts beating the shit out of him. And then they fuck. Oh, right. Uh, I mean, it, <laughs> first of all, uh, every scene of the two of them before the proposal ever happens is so toxic. <laughs> like, they start at a place of physical violence that cascades instantly into sex. Not like... The way, I'm not going to say I do it, (laughs) where you have a little bit of a come down period, a little bit of come to Jesus, apologies are made, and then it happens. Right. That's the way that- That's the way the good red-blooded Americans do their- That's how a healthy couple handles it. If you are in a relationship, I'm calling you out. If you are in a relationship where you are fighting at a 10 out of 10, I'm talking physical violence. Okay. And- 30 seconds later. Not even. 13 seconds it later. directly. It's like the physical contact they make during the physical violence naturally parlays into sex. There's if no you are then 13 seconds later it's having like sex the foreplay. with your partner. It's like the foreplay. Oh, yeah, for sure. It was. He came in. He was like. <laughs> the 90s are Clean up my shoes, so bitch. toxic. Yeah, this was. <laughs> like we watched this closure <laughs> and I was like, surely this is the most toxic the 90s get. And somehow Demi Moore the same time made a movie way more toxic. Like we haven't even watched Striptease. <laughs> and that's like the most notoriously toxic thing she's ever done. Right. That would honestly kind of be like a sequel season choice to this would be Striptease. Because how much lower could Demi Moore go than in this movie? This was <laughs> really just like a low in general. I think for everyone involved, especially Robert Redford. Jesus Christ. Dude, Robert Redford, renowned Founder of the Sundance Film Festival. Thespian. Yeah. Noted legend. Yeah. Noted just like. Is in this movie just like. Excuse me. Would you mind lending me your wife? What in the fucking <laughs> world, dude? I mean, dude, it's, it's funny. It's like late but... stage Brando was like, I'm going to be fat in the score. Right. Redford was like, I'm going to play the same version of me that I always play, but doing the most despicable shit to just fuck with these poor people's lives. Y'all should have started in OnlyFans the movie. <laughs> um, the sex. Yeah. Let's just real quick touch on uh, the sex in this movie, which I found very uncomfortable. It was very much like uh, the room where suddenly it cuts to like a different part of the room. Yeah, and there's, there's saxophone blaring, and all of a sudden, like Seal or yeah. Sh- or Sade is playing. Yeah, and while that's happening, I- I- imagine like the scenes uh, in. Batman Forever, like the Schumacher Batman, where there's like, for lighting, it's just ostensibly a guy with a, a, a searchlight <laughs> standing outside of a window, flashing it back and forth. Yeah. Um, that that guy is like doing the lighting. It, it just changes like on, on the drop of a dime. It's truly Skinamax. All of a sudden, it's just like boom, boo do 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 and there's fucking cash running and it's down. like it's like dude oh my god it was a the, lot <laughs> the second time that they had a skinamax scene where it's just them like rubbing cash on each other's <laughs> and every, odd. every scene in between featuring woody harrelson and demi demi moore has one nipple fully out 
And like that had to be a choice. I, dude. Th- What's the guy who made this movie that we discovered made all sorts of other heinous movies? Adrian Lin. Yeah. <laughs> Renowned pervert. Rena- dude. Yeah. yeah. That guy gives Cronenberg a run for his money. If Adrian Lin somehow directed striptease, which I don't think is the case, I would watch it. No, tonight. but we discovered he directed fucking the goddamn Ben Affleck, uh, Anna de Armas. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> right. Crime Against Humanity from last year. <laughs> <laughs> awesome yeah um that dude literally looks like he went to fucking what's the dude uh the british uh kid show host that was the kid diddler oh my god oh fuck i wish i could remember his name yeah well this director's for sure his boy like right. without question right yeah a hundred percent um <laughs> this isn't libel or uh no slander <laughs> We couldn't even remember his it's name. It's just facts. It's cold hard <laughs> facts. Do your research, people. Um, this is the first movie I would say with like Demi's chess cannons that she <laughs> bought. Uh, don't really think she needed them, but like go off queen and you know whatever body positivity thing, etc. But just the boobs—they're really—they're st- really selling the boobs in this movie. Is she signed on? I would say under the supposition that the boobs would be highlighted to a degree. Yeah, as they you, probably had a subcontract. They probably got points on the back end. As you mentioned, her nipple was constantly out. Just I think, all the time. Which I think was important to the plot. And so many shots that didn't call for a nipple would just be like a conversation while there's a nipple out. Dan, this dress is for sale, but I'm not. Yeah, not true. <laughs> um. All right, we need to move to the next topic here. The next topic is... Uh, what, that the most far-fetched thing about this movie is Woody Harrelson being an architect? That, that, okay, but let me piggyback on that. Not only, and there's three stages to this. Okay. To what makes this movie insanely unrealistic, right? Okay. First layer, that Woody Harrelson is an architect. Yes. We got that. We're agreed. Yeah. yeah. Second layer. He's presented as nothing but a complete moron repeatedly. Second layer, that Woody Harrelson is a degenerate gambler. Both of them. That Woody Harrelson and Demi Moore are degenerate gamblers together. I have a note that says, there's so much reckless gambling in this movie. Gambling is the least cool thing ever. (laughs) So, like, the third layer I'm going to bring up now because it's going to be important in the discussion, right? The, The premise of this film, dear listener, once again, is that a couple who, as we are teeing up right now, gambles all of their money away. Dude, they're in dire financial straits, about to lose their house. They go, they have a hot night of craps, go up $27,000, which you might know is the amount it took to make clerks. They went up twenty-seven grand. Cut that. And instead of just rolling with that, they went downstairs to play roulette with it and lose it all. They lose it all, Dan. You don't go, there's no logic to it. As someone who knows plenty of degenerate gamblers, if you went and had a hot hand at craps and won twenty-seven grand, the next night you're going back to the craps table. You're not going to play a game that's more of chance than craps is. So they gamble all their money away. All of it. And then some. I was so disgusted with their repeated financial irresponsibility. Now, think of another movie, let's say, where this is done better. I would say Kevin Smith's Zack and Miri make a porno. Yeah. Where... You see two people that are down on their luck to a degree that they result to dire straits, right? The problem, and especially if you were to compare that film to this one, 
with the couple in this movie is a few things. Again, layer one, that he is an architect. Like, he is not only an architect, but he's, like, a pretty renowned architect. And he has, like, talents, yeah, obviously. Yeah, he yeah. has a, a resume, a portfolio. Yeah. He's in a, a casino gambling his money away as if it were the only option that he or his partner have. Then there's the third layer, which isn't made clear until post-proposal later in the movie. Yeah. That both <laughs> Demi Moore and Woody Harrelson are qualified enough to teach <laughs> courses <laughs> to people <laughs> and be full-on teachers as, as a last resort. Now, <laughs> yeah. the movie again... <laughs> Sets up a world in which these a people... La- like, yeah, after his whole world falls apart right. as a result of his own actions, sure. his, he was... He's like, re- I, I he guess was, I'll teach now. He was relegated to being a professor at a university. And so was she. She <laughs> taught, like... Okay, and, and here's the thing, right? And I want you to keep in mind everything you said about the book being Palestinian and a Jewish guy, this being two stupid white people. No offense. <laughs> Sorry, Jen. And... What that really means towards their situation is just like, okay, we don't have any oh, money. Oh, I also think in the book, the woman's name, is Demi's character is named Joan. Nice. Yeah. Nice pull. Yeah. Um, we don't have any money. We have no options. And then they literally prostitute out Demi Moore. Yeah. And then 20 minutes later in the movie, you're shown a world in which both of them easily could have been teaching classes to minorities. Yeah. I didn't. I was having... As white saviors who uh, also are wearing round glasses in their respective scenes as they are teaching their classes. The fact that these people couldn't just get a job. <laughs> this wasn't the situation that it was... I thought yeah. this movie was going to be like two people if, if becoming that a really prof- got yeah. fucked by society. If becoming a professor was an option, you could have just done that instead. Like, if I, Dan right now like quit my job i can't just become a professor right and i'm in pretty good financial <laughs> straits right, right now like i'm chilling but i i couldn't just go teach a fucking votech class yeah. to a bunch of spanish women nor <laughs> could i teach at a fucking college yeah. with a projector yeah. and round glasses yeah, they could have done that all along and they could have done it all along and it's just like that is how the hubris and the insanity of the 90s to be like this is what a middle lower class person I is. I know, I know. They are know. white, privileged, completely out of control with money, and yet have like the best job ever. Once again, proving that I was born in the wrong generation. I, this was like that post eighties, post like fucking Wall Street American Psycho era. This is like that post. It's like the spillover results of like the fucking keeping up with the Joneses. It's like the last of yuppie culture. Yeah. Like the last of it in this Dude, movie. Kat did not say a word this whole movie except for the scene when Woody Harrelson freaks out and starts running towards the helicopter and she just goes, oh, did you realize that you have hard feelings about pimping out your wife? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was dying, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, let's let's get the fact that they all... My, wait, wait, also mind you, we did mention the general plot, but an important piece of this plot is that, yes, Woody Harrelson pimps out his wife. I but, don't see it that but way. But also... I do not see it that she way. She requested it in a roundabout way and f- framed the entire thing as being doing it for him. But so the only premise we're given is that she's doing it so that he can build his house, his, like, dream house. We're going to... Dan, we're going to get... We're, we're going to get to post proposal mm-hmm. 
There's a lot to say about post-proposal. There's a lot to say about the five minutes leading up to the end of the proposal having happened. Yeah. But be before we hit that, there is the idea of the proposal being a legal legal construct and that Oliver Platt, <laughs> American legend. Let's talk about Oliver Platt real quick, Dan, because I have a note here. Oliver Platt is playing a lawyer. I have a note here that says, all it says is Oliver Platt in all caps with an exclamation point. And if there are two things that in any situation will save a movie for me, those two words are Oliver Platt, baby. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Lake Placid. I was going to say, you took the words right out of my mouth, but I had Seagram's in it. Dude. Look at him, how cool he is. Oliver Platt is an American <laughs> king, dude. Absolutely. 100%. I absolutely love Oliver Anytime Platt. Anytime Oliver Platt is on screen, I'm like Leo. I'm like, yeah! This is like the thinnest and youngest I've ever seen. I know, dude. He looks felt. He looked like like a turtle out of his shell. He looked like bit. Sam Levine. You know Sam Levine? Yeah, he did look like Sam Levine. <laughs> I thought the same thing. What a king. Dude, I need to know more about him. Oliver Platt in the West Wing. Who's his parent? He seems like he must be a Nepo baby. Dude. Is I, he like... No. H how dare you assert Oliver Platt didn't... Is he Chris Platt's <laughs> son? It's <laughs> a terrible joke. Hard artable. Fuck. Disappointed! <laughs> um, so... Um, what a, dude, Chris Platt, what a snack. <laughs> He's looking fucking raw in this movie, dude, dude. My man has... 10 out of 10 eyebrows on um, the rig. He's he's in it uh, as a lawyer for Woody Harrelson in this movie. And he it's up to him uh, to broker the deal between uh, in a legal way uh, between um, all parties involved with an actual contract. <laughs> the fact it's dude, a lot. I really didn't dude, expect scene, it to turn into like there's like legal documentation. And shit. I did not expect a scene where Oliver Platt and Robert Redford are hashing out a contract for Demi Moore's negotiating pussy. it like it's Moneyball, dude. Yeah, it was that was a lot. He's like, and this here is a clause for if I die while fucking Demi, and he's like, yeah, I got to cover my base. He's like, that seems fair. I'll sign here. As strong just weird a movie of just a vignette of weird scenes, less a fucking narrative arc. <laughs> as strong as. Platt was in this movie whoever the guy was that was playing robert redford's assistant oh his boy shackleford oh my god dude dude oh you mean dude, you shackleford mean, was you wild mean the fucking also most the best character from royal tenenbaums that guy yeah he is in royal who Ten is he, also he's like a background character in many movies also the best character in <laughs> in god. stealing harvard jesus christ damn <laughs> That man's um, mustache is S tier, dude. So there was a scene in this movie where um, Shackelford, uh, Oliver Platt, and Robert Redford, and Demi Moore, and Woody Harrelson are hashing out a legal contract in a room, uh, at the end of which they are going to adjourn, basically, and Demi Moore is going to get into a helicopter with Robert Redford. Uh, to go fuck him uh, because they have brokered the deal that will be a million dollars paid to the couple for loaning out to me more for the night. Um, it is at this point that this is my favorite line in the movie where Shackleford, who is such a creep in this movie, who's <laughs> he's like, like always dancing in the background. And shit. He's just his vibe is so bizarre in this movie. He's Robert Redford's like gopher, basically, but he's like also low key like Alfred from Batman. <laughs> it's very weird. Um, and they finish up the deal. They Definitely sign like the document. 
that basically turns Demi Moore into a prostitute. And Shackelford looks at everybody and goes, gentlemen, I think it's time for men of goodwill to take their leave of one another. Yeah, that was my single favorite moment in the entire movie. <laughs> Me too. I was like, this is like the the classiest intro to a cuckolding I've like, ever seen in my I life. I was like, if I saw just this scene, I'd be like, this is Kubrick. <laughs> um, Robert now, Redford, dude, his energy in this movie is wild. The, the, you have I mean, to not be, really though. No, dude. I think Woody look, Harrelson's energy is wild. You, it, it, it can't be understated how cool of a person you have to be in general to pull off Robert Redford's role in such a fucking cool manner and not seem like they're mo- like he manages. What this movie is trying to do, and when it's at its best in terms of being a movie, which is very rare, is, like, <laughs> presenting Robert Redford. This was very rarely a movie. Robert Redford is, like, everything he's doing is objectively, truly despicable, but it it does its best to try to present Robert Redford as, like, that's not unreasonable. This is a cool guy. He was very cool, as Billy Bob and that Thornton takes, said. That takes he was um, very cool. That, dude, Billy Bob Thornton, what? <laughs> Why did he look older than he does now in this movie? <laughs> Uh, it was like he looks like Harland Williams yeah. in this movie. <laughs> he was, Where is that? He was like neck? fat and balding in this movie in a weird way. <laughs> he only had one line, and he's like playing Woody Harrelson. He was just like looking at Robert Redford as he was dropping all the money on the table at the casino, being like, "Look at him, how cool he is." Yeah, this movie features so much romanticization of just excessive gambling. Yeah, like people it's are really tra- trashy treating right it like it's a cockfight. This is the point at which. The movie uh, just becomes an odd movie, Dan. truly terrible for me is <laughs> the moment at which the contract is signed. Gentlemen, it's time for men of goodwill to take leave of one another. And from that like moment to the end of the movie, I like wanted to actively blow my fucking skull <laughs> apart. Um, what what goes on from there? The first thing that really drove me crazy. And, and imagine this entire movie. And they present this, by the way, like it's the end of the movie. Like there's a big you know, blaring score. Like it really seems like the climax right. of the movie is like they fight. Like you get a whole movie in the first two acts of like they're grappling, the couple's grappling it. They decide what to do. Like they do it. It seems like everything might be fine. But I was like, oh, is the movie about to end? And it's gonna be like we don't know how it ends up. I'd be fine with that. Right. I would have. I'd go as far to say if the movie actually ended there, I'd probably like this is a good movie. Sure. And then we come back. <laughs> Curtains rise. Intermission is then over. We are post snap. Yeah. Um, no, before then, it even starts falling apart for me because the indecent proposal itself is a twofold plan, right? From the couple's point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of the plan is, of course, that Demi Moore will sleep with this disgusting old man, even though he's charming, handsome. But they and... are shipping the whole time that she is attracted to him. Lightly. Not like, not out of control, but. Her husband is such a dwilfist that <laughs> that honestly it's like shipped in a way that I believed it. I was like, fine. And and uh let's not get into it yet, but <laughs> let's just say that I think that there are healthy relationships in Indecent Proposal, but they're not Woody and Demi. Yeah. They are Robert Redford and Demi Moore because after post snap, they eventually become a couple. Yeah. And she looks the happiest she's ever been yeah, in her life. But she didn't what what they didn't account for was that this wasn't really just to get Robert Redford to sleep with her. This was for the opportunity mm. for Robert Redford to show her what it's like to be married to a billionaire. And turns out that's a pretty strong life. Um not only that, but like 
like I was saying, the indecent proposal, it's twofold for the couple. The first is you're going to sleep with the millionaire, billionaire. Uh, but the other fold of it is then everybody be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Woody needed to agree to this under the supposition that he could be cool. <laughs> and Dan. There's no evidence that Woody could be cool with anything. 30 seconds before of they, signing before, the contract. Before they even consummate the act. You know what it was like? It was like. Uh, Woody Harrelson was drunk as a skunk 12 minutes after they signed the contract. The shift was like the Tim Robbins sketch on like the artists or whatever that Netflix thing was. Where the guy comes into the casino and he's like, they call you Lady Luck. And he's like throwing money to everybody. <laughs> and and then um, uh, he realizes that he's lost coincidentally all of his money in the casino to indecent proposal and he's like fuck <laughs> and he runs around like screaming being like give me that like i'm not gonna pay for that steak i said medium rare and, like speaking of tim robbins real quick yeah this just from my own list making potential have i think you, you should leave best show of all time is ha what you're have you ever seen the picture the hud sucker proxy uh no it's an early coen brothers joint starring tim robbins uh it sounds so familiar. I feel like I maybe did, but I don't remember it. Yeah, I don't remember that. That's the list. Tim Robbins, also American King. True. Kind of terrible actor, though. Tim Robbins? Yeah. I don't think so. He's been bad in quite a few movies. Yeah, but that's because they're bad movies. You clearly haven't watched Brian <laughs> De Palma's Mission to Mars enough recently. Dude. Mission to Mars is a really bad movie. I, lo I love that movie. Of actually. course you do. That movie sucks I should, ass. I should make you watch that movie. I, what if that were my next choice? Do they make it in 4K? Um, <laughs> do they? I'll buy it. I would buy that. I would watch. I'll buy that for a dollar. See, this is how you've gotten me, Dan. You've you did this to yourself. Don't no, you bury? Don't. You fucking planted the seeds that a year later, when I had the disposable income to buy a 4K TV setup, <laughs> fucking, I was like, oh, I'm gonna do this. And now all these movies that typically I would have wanted to fucking kill myself, I'm like, oh, at least this sounds so fucking sick. <laughs> so true. I gotta watch not only Mission to Mars in 4K, but Red Planet with my man Val. Such a classic. And Tom Sizemore RIP. Dude, I got such a stack of 4Ks this week. You should have brought them over. Do you watch them all? Not yet. The, um, the night is young. So like I was saying, Woody, you made it weird. The second that she gets in the <laughs> helicopter, he goes running like I, a fucking psycho. And like if there's anyone who is getting the best deal out of any of this it's woody right right really he doesn't even have to get fucked and like, like in typical typical fucking white, generic white dickhead cis. fashion yeah <laughs> like really what it all comes down to right. when things really crumble is like when he like is determined to find out if like their sex was good sure and like the fact that it was just absolutely breaks him so funny. Like he can for for a dude who laid awake in bed all night thinking about this proposal, he considered literally none of the repercussions at the time. Um, he was literally like, "Is a million enough?" And Oliver Platt's whole vibe was, "I could get you two million. It's so ridiculous. Oliver Platt's entire character's purpose was to be there, like, more money. To, be, to be like, "You <laughs> fucked up, dude. You pipped out your wife for a million to a million. It was easy." <laughs> He's like, have you looked at her? He was like, this is what I do. Um. Anyway, they they really start acting like pussies about the whole thing. <laughs> um, the filmmaker makes what I would consider one of the most egregious moves you could have possibly made in this scenario, which was not showing 
Demi Moore and Robert Redford. I honest, I really like that move, actually. You would. You fucking spineless bastard. I felt that was tasteful. That was one of the only tasteful decisions in this entire Yeah, play. but why even go there? Why even try? You know. The movie's so obviously pitched as sleaze. Just, <laughs> just go- That's the problem with this movie, honestly, Dan. It's very sleazy. It's not sleazy enough. It's not even close. If this movie was made by, like, Paul Verhoeven, it would be <laughs> fucking insane. This movie's so soft. I know. I would have loved to the see... The ending is Cron- one of the I would have softest loved to see Cronenberg's ever. version of this movie. This is a deeply soft movie, like, in a really unattractive way to me that I did not appreciate. Yeah, it wasn't grotesque. It was simply indecent. Yeah, well, it just wasn't sleazy enough. I mean, Robert Redford, like, would have been a good choice if you would have showed him absolutely raw-dogging to me more. <laughs> And that's fucking facts, dude. Dude, if this was 2020, dude, we would have gotten Robert Redford's full hog on screen. <laughs> they need to remake this movie with like Willem Dafoe. I as can't Robert believe Redford. they haven't remade this movie. I know. Or like, <laughs> like produced by Brazzers. Um. Then a, a process of courting kicks off. Where, like... Yeah, it switches back to rom-com mode, briefly. Where, like, Robert Redford is, like, showing to be more different-sized dogs that he'll give her <laughs> if she decides to leave her husband for her. Yeah. For him. And honestly, go off. Who me. could have known that he, this proposal had nefarious intent behind it? I mean, Woody Harrelson unravels from the word go, <laughs> and it doesn't stop. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, I and I know this is not right, but I think she should just go with Robert Redford. And she ends up with Robert Redford, and they're in a great relationship. Yeah, she's like, isn't it great to be able to afford food without lighting? Look, we can light pants on fire all day. Hard landlord energy <laughs> <laughs> from Robert Redford in this movie. <laughs> Got him. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, dude, Robert Redford is just fucking shamelessly swinging his fucking wallet dick around, dude. Like, they um, don't make him like they used to, dude. This was a time where, like, you know, like, we're watching this movie through this lens. Right. Surely all of our parents saw this movie in theaters before, like, going home to, like, awkwardly fool around. Jesus. And went to this movie and were, like, conflicted on the messaging. They were like, yeah, hey, you know, it's a bunch of money, though, right? Um, and then there's the part of me that's like, you know, how much would it take for me to sleep with Robert Redford for a night? Less than a million. It's way less than a million. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. Um, it's uh, so much less than a million, yeah, man. Yeah. And I would leave a person <laughs> for doing so much less than putting soccer cleats on a kitchen table. <laughs> As if it's normal behavior. So, agreed, all across the board. I really think, um... Uh, it's like he does it to provoke her into hitting him so that he knows that's how they can that's get off. That's how the foreplay starts. He, the foreplay starts when he goes he and plays soccer. He doesn't even play soccer. soccer. What I would have loved to see was a shot of him Woody Harrelson in the background just taking his just, fucking cleats yep. in the garden. Yep, just like <laughs> playing snowshoes with cleats in the backyard in the mud. I'm an explorer. <laughs> the reason I like her more than alcohol is because it makes me feel good. I have a problem with a certain subsect of people, and that's what this <laughs> podcast is all about. And that subsect of people is high school sweethearts. 
<laughs> deeply unhealthy, toxic people who uh, have maybe the most fraught relationships. The closer you are to having... Jo Josh and his wife were high school students. The closest you are to having had sex with your life partner in high school is the more toxic your relationship is on a upward rising graph. I will bet my entire life on that. No These comment. people are a problem. <laughs> I know it's <laughs> the joke is Dan is included in this. <laughs> um, these people are a huge fucking problem and um, they pay for it every day. I'm sure. Um, uh, yeah, that's my feeling on that. It's they're kind of like the only child of relationships. It's just sad. Like get a life. Dan thoughts. Uh, well, you know, that's my college sweetheart. So it's different. <laughs> that's true. I met Rachel in the town I went to college in. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, anyway. Uh, Disagree. That's my thoughts. Demi ends up uh, dating um, Robert Redford, but only after both of them uh, end up taking a, quote, step backward to teach minority youth in two separate teacher redemption plot lines, which I just can't. It was like watching Clerks 3 when there was two heart attacks. I was like, oh, both of them are being teachers now? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, that was like a thing in the 90s. You could just go teach class if you uh, were white and had round glasses. Um, uh, it is within this period of time in which you see... Woody Harrelson in full on brown suit mode giving a speech to like his class. His speech is so fucking stupid. It is one of the many times in this movie where there's dialogue that is like like suicidal. It was just hear. a very strange way to try to stick the landing where they were basically like, look, everything fell apart, but everything worked out for literally everyone. Woody Harrelson gives a speech, Dan. The thesis of which is, quote, a brick wants to be something more than it is better than it is to an to a architect class well <laughs> we've all been there you know? i uh a person who professionally sells bricks <laughs> now six days a week um am fully versed <laughs> on bricks and let me assure you dan that as well brick the movie a brick does not want to be anything it is just one small piece of a project what if ryan johnson's brick is in the same universe as this picture I have a note that says hippo auction scene. <laughs> was that a thing that happened? In yeah, this, movie? this was um, no recollection. The of first that thing at all. that Robert, the first date that Robbie, Robert Red, Robbie Redford, Robbie Redford, takes, hey Robbie, <laughs> takes Demi out to display the type of world that he lives in is them sitting in an auction for exotic animals, and the. Um, the um the bids are going like it's like a hundred thousand, hundred twenty five thousand, hundred thirty thousand, hundred forty thousand, and Robert Red's Redford just to flex nuts is like looks at Demi and it was like one million dollars, and the auctioneer's like, are, are you sure, sir? We're only at like a hundred grand, and he's like one million, bitch, and then he's like he's like yeah, when you live with me, you just get to buy hippos, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, this leads to the point where Woody who has been paid the million dollars for the sex deal and yeah. has it in his account. Which she gives all to him. Comes into the auction. For and a dude who's repeatedly yelling, I don't even want the money. He gets all the money. Bro, he flips out, <laughs> fucks the whole thing up, fucks their whole marriage up, then takes the million dollars and fucking bids it in an auction on a hippopotamus, which the bid is taken. Yeah. And he squanders the entire money 
that Demi Moore prostituted herself yeah, yeah. to earn. Yeah. As a token of love to her. And then she accepts it, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah, they get back together on the same dock in which he regularly proposed. Woody Harrelson. And there's more says, voiceover narration. This Dude, is and this, before that though, Woody Harrelson gives the worst block of dialogue I feel like I've ever heard in my entire life. Again, he has just wasted a million dollars <laughs> that Demi Moore Hold on. He's wasted one million and twenty seven thousand dollars. <laughs> that Demi Moore earned by having sex with Robert Redford in the first place for him because Woody Harrelson was a husband who could not provide. And after having done all of this, squandering his money and meeting up with her and publicly throwing that money away. Yeah. He says to her, just hear me out. I think the mistake I made in Vegas was thinking that I could forget what we did. I'd thought we were invincible, but now I know the things that people do in love do to each other. They remember if they stay together. It's not because they forget. It's because they forgive. It was, I was just so afraid that you wanted him. No, actually I was afraid you were right to want him. I thought he was the better man. I know he's not. He's just got our money. Yeah, but you know what would have really helped after this was having a million dollars. So they end up poor, back yeah. together, yeah. broke. She's fucked Robert Redford like a ye- for a year now, basically. Yeah, yeah. He threw away a million dollars. And she's lived the life of a billionaire's wife. So like they're probably gonna break up like a month later once he like she's like back to eating Chef Boyardee out of a can. I have a note that says the million dollar club, Dan. Okay. Do you remember the Million Dollar Club? No. So Robert Redford, and uh, I wish they actually went with this, because there was a moment at which this also almost became the greatest movie of all time. Okay. Almost. Okay. Where I was like, holy fuck. (laughs) That moment was very late into the film. Robert Redford has now realized that he should, for some reason, I don't know why, he was fine with going in and completely destroying their marriage in the first place, but he decides that, okay, it's time to let Demi go back to her husband. I caused enough damage. Uh, like, it's over. And he starts talking. And she, and, but she was like, you know, he really won me back when he showed up drunk and embarrassed us in public. <laughs> <laughs> by making a scene in the streets of fucking New York City. Robert Redford is like, you should go back to him. And she's like, why? What the fuck? And he's like, I really just like don't care about all this truth be troll truth truth be told me and shackleford set up uh what we like to call the million dollar club oh yeah, yeah. and then he <laughs> refers a refers to a um the fact that he's done this before to yeah. like five six untold other women yeah and i was like oh they finally like made him disgusting yeah. they finally like put something actually lurid but, but in no, this movie but no but no he did it so that he that she would feel more inclined to go back to woody yeah because he realized that she'll n- never love him the way she actually loved her it, woody because dan if you love something you gotta let it go you man let it and go, you gotta dude. make up an elaborate <laughs> plot about how you're actually like a worldwide sex trafficker really bad movie dude terrible <laughs> movie and this isn't like uh little italy where it's like Please go watch this movie. I don't think this is like, I don't think you should watch this movie. Maybe Dan thinks you should, but I feel like if this you stunk. have any positive feelings about any of the actors in this movie, you should for sure watch this movie. It's wild. It should have been this is one of those way movies, wilder. This is one of those movies where I'm like, should have been van wilder. There, there's often, <laughs> there's often been a thing where I'm just like, I think people should watch it to like, as an artifact of this era to 
just like disclosure was that too like you should know what it was like back then <laughs> that's with any movie from the 90s nope. I, I you could argue to a degree including Longmore man one and two is nuts <laughs> <laughs> robert redford is so fucking chill just don juan della nude <laughs> I wish I wish they had a sex scene. I wish they would have went back to it at some point. Robert but, uh, Redford was simultaneously like giving press conferences to introduce the beginning of Sundance Film Festival and be like, we're here to explore the art of cinema <laughs> and elevated filmmaking. And also I just offered Teddy more million dollars <laughs> 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 to watch me fucking buy hippos. Um What a flex, dude. Yeah, what a flex. Incredible. That's like an all-time great on-screen flex. <laughs> Name me a flex stronger <laughs> than bidding 800 grand over asking price for a hippo <laughs> to impress a girl, dude. I got nothing for you, man. It's an all that's a I top agree. 3 all-time on-screen flex. Absolutely. How many points does that get a movie right from Jump Street? Let's find out. <laughs> Damn, what would you rate out of a possible 10? as want to do in the movie blues podcast the film indecent proposal i'm giving an indecent proposal a six six that is very high in my opinion for this movie (laughs) this movie was a turd nugget uh 60% 60% of this movie worked out is what Dan says, which, you know, the 40% I needed extra was some some sle- some sleaze on top, baby. Some of that macaroni. Um, what? And sleaze, baby. Oh. <laughs> I came back around, dude. Killing it lately. Um, oh, my God. Set me up on the tee and I then fucking fucking hit that for that a shit, double dude. birdie. Three That's out a of golf. ten. <laughs> this movie is deplorable, dude. This is very bad. <laughs> Still better than Clerks 3, uh, but very awful. <laughs> Just such a pussy movie full of pussy-ass characters. Woody Harrelson was so fucking annoying in it. I wanted to reach through my TV and strangle everyone in this movie except for Oliver Platt. It was just terrible, and it got terrible reviews. Yeah, and I'm with that train for sure. Yeah, no, it's a terrible movie, but there were it. I had moments of like brief levitation. My moment of levitation was only at the end when I thought that the Million Dollar Club was a subject that it was a thing. I know if they had ended on that for I real, like, holy I would have been like, holy shit, yeah. If that, Robert Redford would have, like, the last scene in that movie picked up another girl. What if it was, like, like, the end of Usual Suspects and she's looking at a board and it's just, like, a bunch of strings crossed of a bunch of fucking just poor now women? You're, dude, now, you're, now you're talking. Dude, where is the Snyder Cut? Unleash the Snyder Cut, dude. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, Dan. Cool, good uh, stuff. Um, What do we want to do next? I don't know. I mean, we haven't. It's been a really long while since we did a, like, what have you been watching lately? Yeah, you want to catch up a little bit? Yeah. Why don't you uh, start going on about it? Should we take a brief pause real quick? If you want to. Or do you want to just keep keep doing it? Let's just keep rolling. All right. Okay, go ahead. I don't know. I mean. What's Dan been watching? So the last few times you asked me this, the answer was nothing. nothing. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> Besides Survivor. <laughs> I'm pleased to announce that in the year 2023, this is the year of our Lord, I have watched 16 movies. 
separate from the movies for this podcast. And how many out of 16 were movies you had never seen before? One, two, three. Oh, shit. I didn't even think we were going to get to three. (laughs) Five. Holy shit. Six. Whoa. Seven. Holy shit. Seven. Seven total. Yeah. That's more than I thought. That's more I than th- all of last year. I didn't think you were going to hit 50% even there. So, okay. amazing. I didn't. Go ahead, Dan. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> I've watched Confess Fletch, the John Hamm new Fletch oh, movie. Thank God I didn't have to watch that for this podcast. Direct. Um, That movie was delightful. Oh, was it? Yeah. You would have very much enjoyed it, I think. Okay. It's a quality picture. Yeah. John Hamm is hilarious in it. I'm sure he's good, yeah. Um. I watched Say Hey, Willie Mays, a documentary okay. about Willie Mays directed by Colin Hanks. Skip this. Fantastic. Skip this. Speed through this one. Um, I watched The Battle of Algiers, which is one of my all-time favorite <sighs> war-related pictures. Okay. No, no one's going to care about that. It's from got it, the 50s. Got it. Got it, got it. Um, <laughs> there's a bunch of old movies. Criterion should I watch? Last Picture Show, Long Goodbye. Oh, I watched the fucking Banshees of fucking In Sheeran. In Sharon. Colin, Colin Farrell being Irish. You got it. Yeah, what do you think of that picture? Uh, I I mostly loved it. Okay. Uh, it wasn't a 10 for me, but it was close. I loved that movie. It was really... I gave it a... Str- I would give it a strong, like... Truly a... Eight. A, just a beautiful to look at. 8.5. And, and, and hilarious movie. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was funny. Incredible shit. motion picture. Yeah. Um, just oh. felt like... It just... The, the thing with the hand... With the hand cutting started as a really interesting plot conceit but i think just got like too crazy mm. i anyway. watched uh burn after reading for the first time since it came out love that movie yeah when it came How out was it on rewatch when i when it came out i didn't like it at all no shit that was one of my favorite uh, brothers no, movies ever uh, on this rewatch i really really liked it. it's a fierce movie yeah it's really good that's like one of the best ladder cone bros a hundred percent yeah similar thing love it i like that movie more than no country for old men I'm not a big fan of No Country for Old Men. Exactly, baby. Um, no Country for Old Men is definitely my bottom half of Cone Brothers. Um, Power bottom half. Um, <laughs> similar thing I hadn't watched since uh-huh. it came out. Uh, on your recommendation, I watched Grand Budapest Hotel. Something similar that I didn't love when it came out and fucking loved this time. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Top tier Anderson for me. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Was really good. Also, really enjoyed. Um, I enjoy a lot of the Wes Anderson joints that people don't like. I love like the new one. I love the Darjeeling Limited. I think that's actually uh, one of his. Yeah, strongest I don't. Movies. I don't like Darjeeling Limited. That to much. me is maybe his most mature movie. It's the least cartoonish movie he's ever made. Th- um, that I'll agree with. I really think that people gave it a very negative spin at the time. And gave Life Aquatic a very positive spin, and I hope that over time people realize that that should have been inverted. I like Darjeeling Limited substantially more than Life Aquatic. Yeah, so come Um, for me. Come for me in the the zone. I don't know what the movie's called, but I watched the Jonah Hill Eddie Murphy garbage. That's how it's labeled in my phone. (laughs) (laughs) That was terrible. Uh, Yeah, that was bad, but it made me laugh really hard. You told me it was good. It was not good. It wasn't a good movie. I fucking hated it. But I laughed a lot. I didn't laugh at all. I thought it was terrible. That's so funny. Um... Classic you. <laughs> this you wouldn't care about. I watched a movie about basketball refs betting on their own games on Netflix. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Skip that. Watch Boogie Nights. On 4K? Uh, no, just no, on my Blu-ray. I don't think Blu-ray. that exists, does it? No, it doesn't exist. 
All right. I watched Boogie Nights and then I watched my favorite movie of all time, Boogie Nights. I, my number I did, one. I did a ever. double feature. I watched Boogie Nights and then I immediately watched Boogie Nights with the commentary track, and both were great. Boogie Nights was better. Boogie Nights is uh, immaculate film. Yeah, it was fantastic. Real, uh, real bad takes about that movie I've seen in the Rental Zone from I, Andre and Beyond. Yeah, I watched uh, Marcel the Shell with shoes on. I fell asleep during that. I gave, I'm giving that a nine out of ten. I fucking loved it. That movie is like a litmus for depressed people. It was so good, <laughs> just lovely. All right, <laughs> uh, and I don't. Alec Murtaugh Ginger Murder Chronicles. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> The Ginger Murder Chronicles. I watched this shit on Netflix about that dickhead. I did too. Unbelievable. That story's unbelievable. So wild. Um, while we're on the subject of true crime, I watched a series called Motive, which was very good. Oh, yeah, you tell me about that. Um, about a uh, kid in Jerusalem who, in the middle of the night, assembled his father's M16 and murdered everyone in the house, all of his but the sisters. twist is that his whole family were Palestinian. <laughs> the twist is, yeah, he was switched at birth with a Palestinian family and realized it. Really. No, um, uh, he said he was possessed by a green creature from like a <laughs> Russian graveyard. Okay. Uh, it is some top-tier creepy shit. The resolution is a little tough to deal with in terms of like satisfaction, but you can't change the truth sometimes. Yeah, you can't get no. Um, but it was fascinating. Uh, I suggest people watch that. It was called The Motive. Uh, other than that, have you been watching anything else? I've been watching fucking Last of Us. It's thoughts. It's quality television. It's not nearly as great as everyone's making out to be. It's agreed. It's a, it's quality TV. What would you give it? Like as a GGR? Depends on the episode. Like that's true. You know, there have been some stinkers. I've played the game through twice. Sure. And it's like the game, but gayer. <laughs> keep that i don't mean that in a positive or negative way i'm just saying it's uh, true it's true it's like there are shots in that thing where they're like trying to like they're like, we're throwing this out for the video game peeps and i'm like i don't want my television to look like a fucking video game cutscene. it's so apparent the moments in the last of us that are video games and there's so much dialogue like video game moments there's so much dialogue from like shit they changed in the show it's like jump the rooftop crap i know jump jump and there's a lot jump. there's a lot of throwaway lines that are lines from scenes that they changed in the show so that they couldn't exist there there's a lot of just like random throwaway dialogue that's like just like game dialogue a lot of comparisons have been made by my wife and beyond between the last of us the tv show and station 11 which i don't understand why that should even be compared really don't see them as two comparable pieces of art i would say that the last of us is far closer to uh the walking dead and that station 11 is far closer to the leftovers if you want to talk about apocalyptic tales um dan have you been watching more of the leftovers yeah I'm, you're into season two yeah i think we're like three quarters of the way with season two how do you feel about season two compared to one uh it's better but it's made season one more interesting in retrospect yeah i would say it had that effect yeah um, i really like it man yeah i do too the first season was I tough to but i wanted it. to keep watching three is a fucking mind fuck like yeah. entirely um we've been watching veep which okay. is 
low-key fucking hilarious there was actually i meant to do it there was a clip from that show that just the audio of it wanted to clip to play on this podcast from like literally one scene uh-huh. that i was like if dan just saw this scene he'd be like i should probably watch v play it off your soundboard i, I don't have it handy <laughs> um and yeah you know other than that i got a whole slew of shit on deck to watch uh should we talk about what we're gonna do next do you know are you prepared I, I have been panicking panicking about it for the past 20 minutes very hard. Okay. And did you come to a conclusion? Like, yeah, I mean, I have... Do you have things that, like, we're actually going to do? So... That you're um, not going to freak out? Right now we are on season six, episode 14. Okay. Which is far... Pretty much, like, where we end for yeah. most seasons. Yeah. But we're going to do four more episodes yeah. of this. Yeah. Um, so it's time, I guess, to commit to our final two selections. Okay. Then we will head into sequel season, which, if anyone's still listening to this episode, is going to be sequels to, and sometimes spiritual sequels to movies we've already done on the podcast, uh, picked by Dan Endon on a spinning game show wheel, which uh, we may or may not film us spinning and put on our YouTube the other option is that we can do it on a digital wheel, like used for raffles online, and so that the rental zone can watch it spin. No shit. Or I mean, or you could just film the wheel and just post it. It doesn't matter. That's true. Because you did buy the wheel. I did buy the wheel. Yeah. I haven't constructed it yet, though. Okay. <laughs> we should probably use the wheel because you bought it. So we're gonna do that for a little bit, and by a little bit, I mean until Dan Endon is like, please make it stop. I, I give it like five it. episodes max. Yeah. All of the all of the movies we've done that have sequels are terrible. Besides like, the whole yeah. nine yards. Uh, there's a lot of ones coming. A couple surprises will be on there. I want to set it up so that not everything will get picked, obviously. So that will leave an element of surprise to it. Um, I'm going to add the entire Clerks animated series. That's, <laughs> that is something I'll consider. Have you ever seen that? I, I owned it on DVD. It's so weird. Alec Baldwin is one of the characters. It was better than some things Kevin Smith has That's participated in. For sure. All right, Dan. Should we head to our final two selections? Yeah, man. You know them unequivocally, right? Like, yeah, you know yeah. yours, like, solid as a rock. Solid as a rock. But I have to go first. Is that what you're saying? Whatever you're more comfortable with. Man. I'm more comfortable if you tell me at least even one of yours to give me some yeah, kind we'll of idea back where and we're forth. heading. All right, okay. so for the next one. Oh, God. We're going to do a picture that as a, a gift for me to you, I've purchased for you in a Kino Lorber 4K Blu-ray set. I feel very honored already. The uh, last time Dan Endon bought me a Blu-ray, yeah, it, it was, was uh, Soundland Tales. <laughs> was that just Blu-ray or 4K? That's just Blu-ray, unfortunately, oh, yeah. for now. Fortunately. Um... So we're going to do a film um, that, we, this is, you know, I wanted to take it a little classier direction than we've been going, you know? That's unfortunate. So um, <laughs> I think this film actually got discussed on the Barry Lyndon episode. Hmm. Um, we're, we're going, going really to, classy. We're going to do a picture by a well-seasoned a well seasoned director, Dan. Hmm. One or Orson Welles. Oh, my God. Okay? Okay. So... There was in that episode you mentioned about how like these auteur directors who are known as being notoriously difficult to deal with at the studio and uh-huh. like fighting for their art. Yeah. When people think of that way of Orson Welles, it's not about Citizen Kane. It's about this movie. This is where his reputation of being such a hard ass and at, o- at odds with the studio really comes from. Because this is a film, Dan, that has three different cuts. Oh no. One <laughs> is the preview cut 
which is one 4K disc that's been sent to you. This preview cut is the episode that is the version of the movie that was screened for test audiences and torn apart. Okay. So in turn, the studio recut it to shit to make the theatrical disc, mm -hmm. which is also in this box set that I've sent you. Okay. okay. All right. The third cut, Dan, oh my God. is a cut reconstructed in the early 90s from a 57-page document of notes that Orson Welles wrote to the studio complaining about their theatrical cut, hmm. explaining to them how the movie should be made. Okay. And so that is the first... This The, the reason for this movie is two-tier. Mm -hmm. For the historical importance of that. Okay. Tier two sure. is the fact that this is an entire picture in which Charlton Heston, no like famed American classic white man sure does mexican face for the entire film <laughs> okay. and that movie is one a touch of evil oh god and i need to watch both cuts no you need to reach watch the reconstructed cut we're gonna Not watch the original no we're gonna watch the orson wells posthumous recut version of a touch of evil i feel like it i feel like i'll be missing something though by not having seen the theatrical no i don't know i've never I seen it You've never seen the original or the new no, one? No, I've never seen the reconstructed. But you've seen the original? Yes. And it's very bad? It's not very bad. <laughs> but it's Charlton Heston being Mexican. Yes. Huh, and it I do has, like that. It has one of the absolute... <laughs> you've, got me on, you've got me on that it one. It has one of the all-time best opening shots of a picture ever. Hmm. And Kino Lover made this box set, and I was like, we got Charlton Heston playing Mexican face... And we got a movie that is known as an ego fail or an ego, su ego success, depending on who you ask. Or an ego success. And we've watched a lot of trash, so it's time to go bring it back to the Masters, baby. And we are watching <laughs> Charlton Heston play a Mexican in one A Touch of Evil. And maybe on the soundboard for the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds reasonable. Wait, hold on. Charlton Heston? You yeah. know who else? Who? Janet Lee. Oh, uh, via, via psycho? psycho. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, okay. Well, I, I, I'm going to also take you back to the classics. Okay. <laughs> Jurassic the, world dominion <laughs> to the master. <laughs> That'll be on sequel season. And <laughs> for that reason, I think it's time that you see a film that has been long plaguing you. Is it ET that you have never seen before? And that is Steven Spielberg's ET extraterrestrial. All right. A film that Dan has avoided for his entire life. Look at us. And now we'll finally be watching. Doing good movies. Doing good movies. All right. And that brings us to, to our the following <laughs> week, the finale. Okay. What do you got, Dan? Oh, I, I, we'll go back and forth. Okay. You go next. I might shock you with this one, Dan. <sighs> Please just let it be porn. Just a porn humbling. This is unprecedented. Oh, no. Because I'm going to pick a horror movie. Ooh, spicy. And we are going to pick a movie that has a long-standing impact on me. Oh, no. And that is Wes Craven's Deadly Friend. Oh, nice. That'll be awesome. I haven't watched that movie in many years. Like, many, many years. Yeah. I, ve I very vaguely have recollections of it. It'll, that'll be very nostalgic and interesting. Hell, yeah. Cool. That's classy. Um, and I will mirror that with um, 
another horror legend for you. Okay. And that is the uh, recent film Halloween Ends <laughs> with Jamie Lee Curtis. Do I need to see the other recent Halloween Up to movies? you, but I don't think so. Okay. It's pretty unrelated. Sweet. Um, The other two are very bad. If you I, I know they make them. that on 4K. Maybe, maybe we'll like do like a little recap for you i can send you like you know like an internet link recap yeah, yeah, video yeah. or something yeah the other two are pretty much negligible i'm gonna assume michael myers is still alive for this one hell yeah so dude. i feel like i got the recap <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um and that will uh bring us to the end of literal and, and figurative halloween will end and so will this season um and uh other than that dan is there anything you'd like to discuss on today's episode of the movie blues podcast no i'm feeling good man good we should do this again sometime. Yeah. Maybe if someone writes us some fucking iTunes reviews. Yeah, please like, like, and subscribe. We should probably say it at the top of the episode, but here we are, baby. Hey. <laughs> Fuck off, you hear me? <laughs> <laughs>